Revelation 2, verse 1 through 7. Get your Bibles and read with me the Word of God this morning. It was read to us just a moment ago. But I want you to read as I go through and study these scriptures together this morning out of Revelation. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 and on through chapter 3 as well. I want you this morning to use your imagination <clears throat> just for a moment. I want you to imagine that you go to going down to your mailbox or up to your mailbox or out to your mailbox. And as you go to that mailbox, you're expecting to find the usual bills. We all have those, right? Your junk mail that you tear up and throw away. <clears throat> but you find an old school handwritten letter. We don't do that much anymore, do we? My grandfather and O'Neill and that generation, my wife still writes letters. A lot of her family does. But you find that old school letter. Now, are you with me? You're at your mailbox. You found this letter. And you say, well, who is this from? Maybe they didn't put a return address on it. I don't know. But maybe they did. And you open it up and to your surprise, it's a letter from Jesus. And it simply begins with two words. This is addressed to you. I know. If you received a letter from Jesus and it began with those words, I know, what would the rest of it say? <clears throat> would it say that I know You're just a pretender. You act one way while you're in church and around certain people, but you act another way when you're around the world and people of the world. Or would it say, I know that you're guilty of, of gossip and slander and tearing people down? Or would it say, I know how you treat your family behind closed doors. Or would it say, I know about your drinking. About your substance abuse and your bad habits. 
Or would it say that I know that you're dabbling in pornography? I know those things your spouse doesn't know. What would the Lord announce about your life and about mine? In Revelation 2, chapters 2 and 3, we find Jesus sending a personal message to seven churches. These churches are of Asia. And Jesus wanted these churches to understand this one critical thing that he knew everything about them. When you go and you read through this scripture, they, they all begin with, I know. In the scripture that was read just a moment ago. In verse 2, I know thy works. And you go on down to verse uh, 9, and, and, and uh, as he's speaking to the church at Smyrna there, and you go on to, to Pergamos uh, in verse 12, and Thyatira in verse 19, and Sardis in chapter 3 in verse 1, and, and Philadelphia in verse 8, the Laodicea uh, church in verse 15, and he says, I know this. I know you're dead. I know that, that you have, have lost, left your first love. I know that Satan dwells among you. I know all these things about you. You get the point? Jesus says, I know. He knew about their works. He also knew the good. He knew about their good works. He knew that the church at Ephesus was testing false prophets, prophets there in chapter 2 and verse 1 through 3. He knew those good things and he knew that the church at Smyrna was enduring persecution in verses 8 and 9. He knew those things. He knew their good deeds. He knew at Pergamum that, that they were holding fast to his name in verse 13. And Thyatira had works of faith and love and patience. And in verse 19 of chapter 2, he, he knew uh, those things at Philadelphia that he, they kept his word and refused to deny his name in verse 8 of chapter 2. You see, they were doing a lot of good things. There's a lot of us in our lives that are doing a lot of good things. There's a lot of good people here that do things that people never even know about. You're good people. You're doing a lot of good things. These were good churches. They were doing a lot of great things. But notice in Revelation 2, 14 through 20, he knew about their bad works, didn't he? Some of these churches, he actually says in that scripture in 14 through 20, he says, I know that 
you're tolerating false, false doctrine. You're going along with it. You're just not going to cause a problem and, and you're tolerating those things. And, and how many times in our own lives do we just tolerate sin, even in our own life? Jesus says, I know that. The church at Sardis, if you look in, in chapter 3 and verse 2, in the, the very part there, basically he was saying to them, be watchful and strengthened. He was basically saying, wake up. Establish the things which remain that are ready to, to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. They were spiritually asleep. In chapter 2, again, in verse 14 through 20. The church at Sardis was spiritually asleep. The church at Laodicea in chapter 3 and verses 15 and 16. He says, you're lukewarm. Basically, he was saying, you're, you're kind of on the fence. You're in between serving me and doing what you're supposed to do and, and having that zeal, but then you're really not. He says, you're lukewarm. So not only does Jesus know these great things about these churches, and not only does he does know the great things about us, he knows those bad deeds as well. He knew who was growing in the church. You know, this morning... He knew about their works, good and bad, but he knows about all the works of the churches today. Do you know that? Every church across this land, even right here at McCoinsville, in 2021, he knows about all our works. He knows this morning uh, concerning the church and, and even right here if, if uh, we're, how we're teaching and preaching about baptism that, that if it's for remission of sins or not remission of sins or are you saved before baptism. He knows those things. He knows about all the marriages that exist right here in this church. Are they scripturally correct? He knows all about those things. He knows about the adultery that has been committed. He knows about women preachers. He knows about church discipline, whether it's being followed or not, or carried out to keep his church and his body pure. He knows about our worship pattern right here. And we're going to talk in a minute. He knows individually how you're worshiping thus far this morning. He knows whether you're with him or not. He knows whether you're, you're, you're studying with us right now. He knows whether you've opened your Bible. He knows whether you've sang the best of your ability. He knows whether you prayed with the uh, brothers Jimmy as he led us in prayer just a moment ago. Jesus knows. He knows whether we show love and mercy. 
He knows whether right here the leadership and we members and, and the deacons and, and all those things. He knows about our works. He knows whether we're complacent with the number that's on the board. Are we just okay with that number? Or are we concerned about evangelism? What are we doing to help each individual and a church here to grow in evangelism and bring people, the lost, to, to the Christ? He knows those things. He knows whether we're just lukewarm, whether we're just complacent, whether we're just okay. I'm glad we have the number we have. I'm glad we have the people we have. I'm glad we have the number on Sunday morning that we have. But you know one thing I've noticed? The number on Sunday morning and the number on Sunday night and Wednesday night, there's a vast difference. And Jesus knows. And that should not be the case. But he knows whether we here as a congregation are complacent with that. Are we okay with it? And we should not be. Those numbers should be closer together. Because we know things happen. And it's a struggle for sometimes for just people to even put their shoes on and clothes on to get here. And to do it one time on a, on a Sunday morning, the Lord understands when people are feeble and elderly. But he knows those things. He knows how we're spending every dollar right here in this church. He knows how many dollars are spent to save souls and how many dollars are spent for this and that. He knows all those things about us right here. But secondly, he knew, first he knew about their works. He knew about individuals. Now you've got to understand this morning, this is a separate point. Churches as a whole, Christ knows but he also knows about every individual setting in the sound of my voice this morning. He knows about you. He knows who is faithful. He knows who loves the Lord. He knows who is doing the best they can. He knows who is struggling. He knows who who is worshiping the way they should. He knows, he knows, he knows. If that letter was written to you, what would he announce about you and your relationship to him and his church? He knows who's lost this morning. He knows every person right here who has never been baptized for remission of their sins and made that commitment to Him. You see, churches are made up of individual Christians. You see, we all worship together. We work together in this church and we pray together but he will judge us individually. Now you look in Revelation 3, in verses 2 through 6. 
when he's speaking there to the church at Sardis. He says, be watchful. Wake up spiritually. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect. Believe before God. Now watch it. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If, therefore, thou shalt not watch or wake up, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon you. Thou hast, what, a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Jesus is saying, I know. I know that there are a few individuals among you at Sardis. I know there are a few among you at McCoinsville that have not defiled their garments. You see, we need to understand Jesus knows And there's not a person this morning that can count on the faithfulness of other Christians to gain us favor favor with God. We all have to do our part. A lot of people want to say, well, I'm a member at McCoinsville because I'm going to tell you, McCoinsville has a great name in this county. It always has. And I pray to God that it always will. They have a great name for teaching the truth and doing a lot of great things and people want to be a part of good things. There's a reason why you chose to place membership right here with your family. And it should be other than family reasons why. But he knows us as individuals. There are a lot of faithful ones who have sat in in these pews and the pews on the other side of the building that were faithful people that have moved on to their reward. But I'm going to tell you, and there's a lot of faithful people right here today who sit in their hole every time the doors are open. And Jesus knows. And I'm going to tell you, the rest of us, we can't place our laurels or our trust or in someone else's faithfulness. Jesus said to this church, he said, there's a few of you that have not defiled their, their, their garments. Those people are not going to get you to heaven. You've got to change yourself. You may be married to the, 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 your mate, the best woman there ever was made. But if you never become a Christian and serve God on an individual basis and be responsible for your own soul, she or he cannot get you to heaven. 
And that was the intent of God's whole plan when he put man and woman together is that man and woman should be helping each other go to heaven and not one going one way and one going the other. And God and Jesus knows those things. You see, ultimately Jesus judges his disciples on an individual basis. My wonderful wife cannot stand on the day of judgment and say, I was married to Matthew Scoggins, and and can you help him get in? Because I'm going to stand for Matthew. And there's not one person in this audience that is faithful, not one elder, not one deacon, not one minister that can pray you to heaven. Nobody. Only you. When your time comes to die, I cannot stand over you. Brother Jimmy cannot stand over you and change your destiny. Your destiny is sealed. Your legacy is left behind. And Jesus knows those things. You see, we need to be more than just a member. We need to be more than just a member. It was God's plan that, that, that uh, men, men and women who are members of the Lord's church place their membership with a congregation and be under an eldership and grow and not be found spiritually dead but be found spiritually alive and growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. While most of these people in the church at Sardis, there in chapter 3, were spiritually dead, again, there were a few that were not. He knows what I'm doing and he knows what you're doing. And then we asked the question this morning, what kind of disciples does Jesus see when he looks at you? What does Jesus see when he looks at Matthew Scoggins? Do you put your name at the end of that? What does he see? Does he see a pretender, a hypocrite? Does he see an unfaithful person? Does he see a person that lost their zeal, that lost their interest? Does he see an unsaved soul that does not have the the blood of Christ applied to it? Does he see someone who is just pretending to be a Christian and just shows up and wants to be a part of the party? What does he see? You see, we're talking about individually this morning. You need to look across the bench at your families and say, I can't go to heaven because of him or her. I can help go, they can help me go to heaven, but their faithfulness and their goodness will not get you to heaven. And we've got to understand that. And a lot of times we think we, we do. We think we're in good shape. But Jesus knows. Does he see in me and you that we're striving to grow? That we're doing our very best? Does he see a growing faith? Does he see nurture? 
Or does he see a, a lazy person who just does nothing never for the Lord between Monday and Saturday? Does he see a person just filling a pew? Does he see a selfish person or a giving person? What does he see when he looks at you? Because you know what? On the day of judgment, that's where it's going to be. He's going to look at you. My wife and I and the most faithful Christian you've ever known in your life could be standing side by side. And you've got two people, one person standing with them. He's going to look at each person individually. Not a thing you can do concerning other people. But number three, he knew their hearts. He knew about their works, their good and their bad deeds. He knew the individuals and, and, and how each individual uh, person was because he called them out. There's a few. But he knew about their hearts. Do you know that Jesus knows and God knows our thoughts and our intents? He knows everything we're thinking everything we intend to do and the intent of what we say and what we don't say. He knew this because he's God. When you go to the book of John in chapter 2, the Bible says to us in John chapter 2 in verses 23 and 24, notice what it says. Now when he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw or beholding the miracles or his signs which he did. Now notice in verse 24. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he what? Knew all men. He didn't need people to know. He knew them. He knew what they thought. He knew what people to say. He, they knew from the signs and wonders who he was. He knew what they were thinking. How many times in the life of Jesus and situations did he know it says that he knew they were angry or knew they were disturbed? He knew their hearts. He knew this because he's God. He knew that the church at Ephesus, back in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4, he knew they had left their first love. He knew in verse 19 of chapter 2 in Revelation that, that, that Thyatira uh, was, was, was no longer in love with them and, and, and a lot of them had, had not repented and not done the things that they'd done. He goes on in, in chapter 3 and 15, Laodicea, and he says that you're, that you're lukewarm. He calls out each individual church, but individuals in the church as well. What would that letter say this morning? I know that you have this, 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 this amiss in your life or this, this, this doing the good. <clears throat> As we get ready to close this sermon, I want you to think, the common thread, and that's I want you to take this home with you and I want you to connect all this together with a common thread. is Jesus, not only he knows, Jesus wants and wanted these people and wants you to know he knows your heart. That's the common thread, even today in 2021. 
He wanted these people in these seven churches to know he knew their hearts. He wanted them to he know. He wanted them to know he knew those things. And you need to change them. Even today. He knew that the church at Sardis was dead in Revelation 3.1. He knew the church at Laodicea uh, possessed hearts that were indifferent. He knows what's going on in our hearts as well. He knows if we love and trust Him. He knows if we have faith in Him. He knows if we have reverence toward Him. He knows, He knows. He knows whether this morning each individual, I don't care how far you're sitting back or how front you, close you are to the front, He knows if you really love his church and love him and love other people. He knows that. He knows who's serious about this thing. He knows that. He knows who loves and trusts him, who has faith. If I wrote that letter this morning from Jesus, it would be the truth because he knows. Other people can speculate, but Jesus never speculates because Jesus knows. So this morning in your letter, he's written, I know. But this is the question I'm going to leave you with. What are you going to do with that truth this morning? The truth that's been written down on your letter and mailed to you from Jesus this morning. What are you going to do with that truth? Are you going to keep on living those good things? If it's great things, great. Keep on doing what you're doing. But if there's things listed on there that are contrary to Jesus' ways and the way of Christianity and things that you need to work on and I need to work on, we need Jesus. If you go back, he says, remember these things. And what does he say? Repent. You go back and study that whole chapter, those two chapters. Repent. Change it. Repent. Change it. Make a decision today. Change it. Don't put it off. He says, because I will come to you as a thief, he says. Lord's coming back. Can't tell you when. But I can assuredly say he's coming back. And he says, I will come back as a thief. I will come back when you least expect it. Is what he's saying. If you're in sin this morning, will you allow the powerful knowledge of Jesus, not me, but will you allow the powerful knowledge of Jesus knowing the truth to lead you to repentance? Jesus gave them a second chance. Revelation 2 and 3, remember and repent. He gave them a second chance. There's not a lot of things in life that you can get a second chance at today. A do-over, as some people say. But right now, you have a second chance with Christ. As together we stand and as we sing.